You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. And we're back. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Season 2, Episode 26. Paul and I are back after a short summer sojourn of rest, relaxation, and recharging the batteries, recharging the CX batteries. And we are back and roaring and ready to go. And we are so excited to have our guest of the week, Katie Stabler, joining us. Katie, welcome to the program. Thanks for being our first guest back. We really look forward to spending some time with you. We're thrilled to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Paul May. I assume I know what you're thinking and how you're feeling, but since it's been about a month or so, share with the world. Today you are? Neil, it's Fireside Chats Friday. I'm buzzing, mate. I am buzzing. <laughs> you are buzzing. You are buzzing. Uh, by the way, I just want to say I'm so proud of Paul. He, uh, while we, we took a little break from Fireside Chats with the Fires just to recharge our collective batteries here, he has been slinging out content in his separate podcast uh, activities. He's just, he's doing an amazing thing. You got to check uh, Paul's other stuff, other content out that he's generating. And Paul, I don't know if you want to put a little uh, shameless plug in there, but if you want to plug something away, I'm proud of you. You're doing great work on your on your other podcast businesses. Uh, that, that means a lot, mate. Thank you so, so much. And I am hosting a free webinar on the 27th of August if people want to sign up and you can find the link on my LinkedIn page. But that's it. No more self-plugging for me. I'm done for the year. All right. Thank you. Well, well, thank you. So what we're going to talk about with Katie today is a very timely topic. And I say timely because if you read as voraciously as I do on LinkedIn, this is out there. CX stakeholder buy-in, which is the name of our session today. CX stakeholder buy-in. Katie, I want to ask you, we all hear that term a lot stakeholder buy-in. Why is this even a thing? Why do we even have to talk about stakeholder buy-in? Shouldn't we assume that the stakeholders should already have been buying in? They already bought in. They did it. It's a past tense thing. No? What a world that would look like if that was the case. I mean, that would be, it'd be brilliant. Or, or would it? I don't know. I think that would be maybe half of my job made redundant. Um, I, I I wish stakeholder buy-in wasn't a thing when it comes to customer experience because it should feel instinctively necessary. But I think that is half the problem. I think people believe instinctively that they can do customer experience and that they are doing it well. And that isn't to say that people aren't, but it's that it needs focus and attention and it needs to be designed and intentful. And I think that's the little bit where the buying needs to come in because people just think that they're doing it. They think it's naturally happening uh, and there doesn't need to be that intentful, focused resource. Uh, by the way, I, I'm going to apologize to you. I, I omitted one thing. I didn't introduce you properly. And, and um, uh, if I, I, I always uh, like to welcome our guests by just reading uh, for our audience in case they're not already following you on LinkedIn or on social media. Uh, Katie is the uh, founder and director of customer experience at Cultivate Customer Experience by Design. Um, she has some uh, really, really top-notch clients and assignments and projects that she's working on. 
Um, and and uh, I'm sure that those are, are influencing the things that she's, those experiences are influencing the things that she's sharing with us here today. In your world, then I'm jumping to the conclusion that not every company has its stakeholders buying in. That's what you're experiencing, I'm guessing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I actually can't tell you an organization that I've worked for where across the board, every stakeholder that you're working with has bought into the CX initiative. Um, that isn't to say that they're not on the right track and that they've got ambitions to be customer centric, but actually when you're on the ground working across departments, which you absolutely have to do in customer experience, there are still pockets which are definitely not bought in. Um, interesting, I've also had experience where, particularly working for smaller organizations, where actually the initial buy-in has been right up there, you know, excitement, they know that CX is needed, they want it, they're like doing it from day one, they're willing to put in the resource time and effort. But then actually, where the buy-in of those kind of organizations has started to waver is where there's a discrepancy between what they think customer experience is versus potentially what they need from customer experience in the business. Um, again, particularly from smaller organizations that I've worked with, unfortunately, it's kind of fallen to that belief where customer experience is more customer service and not much else than that. Uh, and actually, when you try and then work with stakeholders to educate them that there's a little bit more to it, there's loads more that you can do, there's loads more value you can get from CX initiatives. Uh, the interest and excitement is there, but they just don't see how it can work. So that, that's where the buying part comes in, because you've really got to work to help educate and inform around what customer experience actually means. So in this whole explosion of the CX world and CX industry, by the way, uh, I will share, I've said this on this podcast before, as an American, we believe or I believe, I'm not, I'm not going to speak for everyone in my country, but I've always been under the belief that the U.S. is the trendsetter here. We are the first movers. We've been the ones to set the market. And what has been an incredible lesson to me in my work, and especially here on the podcast, is to see that couldn't be more further from the truth. CX has exploded across the globe in companies for-profit and not-for-profit everywhere, not just in the so-called developing uh, uh, developed economies, but also in the developing economies, if you want to use, we want to use such uh, uh, traditional and atrocious terms. CX is everywhere. Where I'm going with this is that um, as organizations have grown, have matured, have adopted CX, we've even seen this explosion of this new uh, job title called chief customer officer or chief something officer, where the word customer is is part of a job title. That means to me that companies have bought in, they've understood how important the customer is, how important CX is. But again, maybe that couldn't be further from the truth. Even though organizations have created this discipline and bought in and hired and carved out places in the org chart, maybe the stakeholders really aren't buying in still, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think that's such a good point, Neil. And I, I 
can give you a personal example actually of where that couldn't have been further from the truth. So I worked uh, in a corporate organization. Um, when I went into the organization, there was a CX director. So that was the highest level of hierarchy for customer experience. And it was a very hierarchical organization. So for that particular company, it was really important that they had that role because it needed it as that executive sponsorship. Um, but it was a new role that, that had only been in place for, I think, a year before I joined. And I went in as a split role as the head of customer experience, but also the head of quality assurance. So my time was split 50-50 between the two disciplines. And that in itself is fine. I like a challenge. And the two roles were, I found were incredibly complementary and beneficial to work together. But this was a huge, huge organization. We served over 700,000 new, uh, 700, new customers a year. And the fact that my role was split between CX and QA, I think that speaks volumes about how they weren't fully bought in. You know, really, I should have had a full CX role. And thankfully, because of the tenacity of myself and the director that I worked with, a year later, a year into that position, that did transition into a full-time, 100% focus on CX. But just the fact that I wasn't to start with, I think that, that speaks volumes. Yeah. It, uh, by the way, I love hearing these stories about the org chart. For me, so many of these challenges manifest themselves in the nature of the org chart, right? The title, the department, who it reports to, who it doesn't report to, if it reports to anyone at all, if it really has any power whatsoever. Uh, and, and I see more and more of this. Um, I want to ask you another question since we are talking, talking about org chart and, and your experience. Um, so talking about stakeholder buy-in, and we're going to get to, um, the, the main question I want to get to is how you actually achieve stakeholder buy-in. But I want to, before we get there, I'm so curious about this one. The greatest success you've had or seen or guided your clients uh, under, are they organizations that have a CX officer, you know, chief customer officer, or they are companies or organizations that don't have that kind of uh, very important uh, figurehead in the organization? Do you see where I'm going at? I, I'm, I'm so curious, just because an organization has someone at the top with the title customer in it, does that necessarily mean that you're going to have full buy-in and, and less friction as you try to roll out and implement customer centricity across an organization? Yeah, no, no. the answer to that is, is, is there isn't uh, the right answer to that. So I've worked in kind of both sides of the equation where there has been that structure, there has been that very senior level support. Um, within the organization, we had great success in the end. I mean, I look back at the two years that I worked there and there was so much that was achieved over a relatively short period of time. But it took a lot of effort to get certain parts of the organization to even consider CX as something that they needed to focus on. That was actually one of the reasons I decided to become accredited as a CCXP, because it just... it. It sounds cliched, but that particular organization, despite it having the structure and despite it having the senior support, they still viewed customer experience as very, very fluffy. And we were a female-led team, which unfortunately, it was a very, very male-dominated uh, executive team. So that the fact that it's fluffy and new and a little bit scary, and it's a, it was a legacy organization with a lot of legacy staff and a lot of history... 
there was just a resistance to change when it came to CX. So even though that had the support, and even though on paper, it should feel like it was an organisation heading in the right direction, one of the biggest challenges, which personally I enjoyed very much, but one of the biggest challenges was to get those unengaged departments engaged. And on the flip side of that, where I've worked in organisations where they haven't had any CX title at all. So I've been a CX consultant going in as a consultancy capacity. Um, again, equally great success in the end, but they've never never even talked about customer experience before in a formal way. So I don't think there's a right answer to that. And I, I definitely don't believe that having a structure means that you're going to have immediate success. Um, for me, that buying piece is all around getting the right people on the team who have the ability to support the buy-in to happen. But it certainly doesn't come as a given just because there's a title there with it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew that that's what you were going to say. And by the way, I'm, I'm happy to hear that in a way. I mean, I think that just because you have it on an org chart on paper doesn't mean that it's going to be frictionless and easy, right? Uh, and yeah. you've confirmed that. So let's get to like the heart of the matter here. You just alluded to it in the last part of your responses. All of us want to know, how do you get stakeholder buy-in? You talked about, you just alluded to the team having the right people, but many of us in our organizations don't necessarily have the right team or a team at all. Uh, we don't necessarily have resources. We don't necessarily have a lot of things. We just kind of have our own what's here right here in the heart, because we know we, what we care about, or we have, you know, hopefully a good, a good head, where we're, we're hopefully you're smart and tactical, but what do we do to get stakeholder buy-in? Yeah, I, I mean, that's the, it's a, the, a golden question, right? If we had the silver bullet to that, we'd, it'd be magic. Um, but for me, my experience of getting stakeholder buy-in is, is, is kind of come at levels. So I think one of the most important things that you need to do first is, have alignment between yourself, whether that's a consultant, CX lead, someone running CX as a side of the desk job, have alignment between you and your organization as to actually what is what is customer experience and what does that mean to us as a business? What value are we going to get from focusing on it? Um, and I think once you've got that really clear top level objective and we're all seeing off the same hymn sheet, that's the most important thing first and foremost. I think it's great to have lots of little initiatives that are working towards a goal, but if they're fragmented and you're going in a little bit gung-ho and you're just kind of sticking in a little bit of CX here, a little bit of CX there, you don't actually know what you're aiming for. You're not going to see the outcomes that you're wanting because you don't really know what outcomes you're wanting. So first and foremost, it's crucial for me to have a very, very clear understanding of what is CX, what are we aiming to achieve? And then secondly, for me, it's all about the team engagement, whether you're a tiny team or, you know, huge corporate organization. Again, it's a little bit cliched, but customer experience just come down to one individual. It comes down to the whole team, everybody taking responsibility. It's great if you've got somebody taking accountability, so leading as it were, but you absolutely need the whole team buy in. And that's where the, the harder bit comes in because it's helping people, helping stakeholders to see what value they can add and to see what impact customer experience has to them. And you take frontline, that's easy. You know, people on the frontline, straight away, the benefits of customer experience are really clear to demonstrate. But when you're starting to work into the deeper, darker corners of the organization, the people who aren't customer facing, 
that's where it can become trickier and that's where the stakeholder buy-in piece is much harder. You've got to really work closely to help them see the benefits of customer experience and help them see their touch point. Because inevitably, it doesn't matter who you are in the organization, whatever you do does lead back to the customer and whatever you do impacts the customer experience. So it's really important to get people to know that. So it's all about taking them on that journey and where you can, showing them that connection. And I think that's the first part, the cultural part, the relational part about getting buy-in is just getting people to be part of it, have some skin in the game. And then, of course, you can get into the the bit that most businesses like or most businesses find important is the commercial element to it. You know, the return on investment, trying to link where possible back to the budgets, because let's face it, in business, it doesn't matter. Again, small or big, we all talk money. So it's really important if you can start to show the benefit of your initiatives in something tangible. I mean, that's not always easy, but when you can start to do that, that's an instant way that you can start to get engagement because tangible, it talks volumes. I love it. You were just reading the thought bubble above my head. I, you have an amazing ability to do that because I was about to push you right here. I was about to come back and push back hard on this. And I was about to tell you, Katie, you're missing one thing in your in your explanation. You're not talking well, what we say here, dollars and cents. Maybe you, I don't know what you call it, say it on the other side of the pond, uh, pounds and... Pounds and pennies. Pence. Pounds and pence, maybe I, I'm, I'm not sure if you have a similar expression, but yet you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I think that the, the 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 dollars and cents or the the currency here matters. How much does this cost, and what am I getting for it? Um, I'm glad you did allude to that here in this in the final part of your response. And I think without that, there's nothing. There's no CX. There's no operation. There's no nothing. Initiatives don't. Maybe they'll get greenlighted, but they're not going to be sustainable if you can't at some point prove that there is benefit somewhere along the way for the organization, right? That's it. And I think I've heard a few times recently, actually, that if you're working in a customer experience capacity and you're starting to be asked more and more about the ROI on your initiative, that's when there's a bit of an alarm going off to say, actually, something isn't working here like we're not proving the value of this initiative if, if, if we're having to ask for ROI and we're not being able to demonstrate up front but that is often you, when you look um, at people who work in customer experience and having conversations about return on investment it's always one of those uh, <laughs> I suppose controversial topics because people consider it to be so difficult because when we talk about customer experience we often use the phrase that you know it's it's a marathon not a sprint and if we we're able to show really really quick returns then that'd be fantastic but it's just not always the case so that's another reason why you really do need strength in your buy-in because actually some of the returns are going to be long game so you need to keep your stakeholders bought in through that journey because if you're working on something that you know I don't know maybe might show a return on investment in say three years time and we're in a year and a half and people are asking questions you don't want to abandon that at that point you don't want to lose sight of what you're aiming for but equally if you're not engaging if you're not building enthusiasm if you're not helping people to see the value of where you're heading that will happen so yeah that's so important but there are there are loads of sneaky little ways that you can prove return on investment through pretty much anything you do you just need to think differently about how you do that it's easy for us, and I'm certainly guilty of this in my own organization. Uh, Paul and I both run contact center operations. Um, and it's easy to get distracted or attracted by the new shiny toy, right? The new 
technology, the new communication channel, the new piece of software, the new platform, the new this, the new that, or to go back to the basics of maybe we should get this certification. Maybe I should have my team study and learn this, anything, investments, investments, investments. It's easy to go down that rabbit hole. I fortunately in my organization have a very strong finance leader who will pull me back and say, okay, wait a minute, what are we getting out of this? Have you ever in your experience started to look at projects or initiatives and decided ultimately, no, we're not going to do this for the reasons that you just described. There isn't sufficient return on investment. Um, I haven't heard enough of those, by the way, in what I read. I'm curious to know if, if people are willing to really tell the truth and say, you know what, we've, we've gone and we've looked at things and said, you know what, we would love to do this, but there's no justification. I can't get away with it. We're not doing it. Have you had that in your experience? I haven't particularly, no. I mean, I've been in positions where things have been sidelined temporarily and postponed and other things have been brought in for first and foremost. And there's been less prioritization of that. But ultimately, things have come through. But I think what I would say in relation to that, like the next new shiny thing, the, the, you know, anything, I suppose, that's a little bit different. I... I'm a massive, massive believer of making your bed first, basically, which for, for me, that means getting the basics right. And it is easy to be attracted and distracted by other things, but I don't know many organizations who have the basics right. And maybe, you know, a new platform, a bit of fancy tech, some extra automation, maybe that might help to get the basics right. But in reality, a lot of it just comes down to the people that you're working with, the resources and support that you give them and having a consistent approach to that baseline delivery, you know, your MVP, essentially. I think once you've got that right, then maybe you can start looking at the other stuff. But so many people, just like you've said right at the beginning, so many organisations, they're just quick to jump onto the next thing, thinking that it'll be the fix or the, the magic sauce to the dish that's missing something when actually they just need to take it back, strip it back, see what's working, see what isn't, make your bed and then make the day. I, again, you're reading my thought bubble above my head. I was just gonna come back to your, what you just said. First, you have to make your bed. Yeah, really well said, I, I enjoyed it. This was great, thank you. And, and it will be very interesting to see how the discussion continues to kind of play out among fault leaders and practitioners about projects and things that are green-lighted, things that are not green-lighted. I, I have, uh, as I said, personally read a lot recently about connecting CX initiatives more and more back to business results and business goals. Uh, by the way, this is just a quick kind of shout out to, um, to Jess Noble and to Jim Tincher, who've been previous guests on this podcast. We've spoken a lot about that. I think there will continue to be a lot more emphasis on making our bed first before going down those rabbit holes that can sometimes be very expensive mistakes um, in our organizations. But, but this, was, this was wonderful. Thank you for sharing these ideas. I wanna switch gears um, if you will uh, allow us to. We always like to ask our guests to share some thoughts on three separate topics and you have so kindly prepared some thoughts uh, on each of these things. This is kind of the final third of our, our session here today. Um, the first one is and by the way, we've just actually done this. We've just kind of attacked some CX myths, I think, so to speak. But we like to ask our guests, is there a CX myth that's out there that you would like to bust? And if so, 
share some thoughts about it because I'm really curious. You you are a you're a forward thinking person. I'm wondering what your CX MythBuster is. Okay, so my MythBuster is that you don't have to give as much attention to customer experience if you've got a captive customer base. That is such a myth. So for anybody who isn't entirely sure what a captive customer base, it is if your customer, to some degree, has a very limited choice. So if maybe you're a local corner shop and you're the only place in 10 miles, if you're a budget airline and somebody is financially restricted and you're the only flight that's available, um, if you are a bank because you have limited financial capability and so only certain banks will take you, NHS, doctors, you know, these are all places where you don't have much choice if you're stuck with the organization that offers you whatever they can offer you. For me, captive customers, they need more attention than any other customer because they might not be captive forever. You can't rely on the fact that you have this customer base now and you always will. So let's just take the corner shop as the example. You know, you're the only shop in the village for 10 years. All of a sudden, a co-op rocks up two minutes down the street. Good value, great service. You're going to lose customers if you're not offering a great customer experience. The same with budget airlines. You know, someone can start to afford to get a bit fancier on the flight. Then why are they going to stay with you? They might want to, they might love value, but if you're not offering a great experience, there's always a time when a captive customer is no longer captive. So don't rely on the fact that you've got that customer now because you might not have them forever. I love this one, so true. By the way, it's so curious, just before we uh, spoke today, I, I was uh, in a conversation with a, a person who works and leads an effort for a large streaming service and this large streaming service uh, it, it's a it's a very large uh, producer of the TV content, movies, uh, etc. And they've got in this particular service over a million plus uh, recurring customers that they've built and earned. There's churn in that business, and if you're not constantly presenting value, uh, there will the churn will increase. Part of that also is customer experience. What is it like? For that customer and if that customer doesn't feel valued if you're not in front of that customer when they need to have a they have a question or a billing concern or something they'll cut there's a million other streaming services and options out there um and, and this was just very 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 present i love the fact that you talked about this just because you acquired the customer doesn't mean you have a lifelong right to keep the customer right totally and there's so many other benefits um i mean let's just say Maybe you're a housing association. So you've got tenants who have little choice but to be with you if they want to live in a certain area. You know, fine, they're your tenant. But if you offer a great customer experience, you're likely to have engaged tenants. If they've got a problem, they're going to report it sooner. So you've got less chance of like maintenance issues building up. They're more likely to pay the rent on time. Whereas if you're offering an atrocious tenant experience, they might not want to pick up the phone to you if something goes wrong. So your tenant, uh, your property is degrading day by day. If they can't afford to pay the rent one month, maybe they don't care so much because they don't really like you. <laughs> so there are so many reasons why you should really, really value your captive customer and um, yeah, not neglect them from an experience perspective. So true. Let's go to the next question. Uh, you have some CX quotes that you'd like to share with us. And I have happened to have seen these before. I really like them. But would you mind sharing both of those with us? Okay, doke. So I'm going to have to read them off my screen because I love the quotes, but my memory is not so great. 
So read away. <laughs> quote one. Customer centricity is the heart of whatever we do. And so whenever I'm talking with internal teams, I always try and bring the outside in view of things because I think it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day things that we have to get done. And that's from Bernadette Nixon of Algolia. I like that. I love outside that. in. Outside in. I love it because it's, it's, I think, representative of most teams, most businesses, you get stuck in the weeds, you can't see the wood for the trees. When you're just in your day-to-day -day BAU, it's so easy just to lose sight of anything new, anything different, different perspectives. So the thought of purposefully bringing an inside-out view, or an outside-in view, should I say, I just love that. And I think everyone should try and employ that in their day-to-day -day activity. I'd believe it's easier said than done but having the time and focus just to do that um, can I think set you in so many different directions that you may not have perceived in the first place love it less BAU more outside in absolutely absolutely and love it tell us your second quote second quote so had I slowed down and just taken a breath I would have been better able to connect with the humanity of the moment. Now, this is an interesting one. Um, it's by Jeremy Brewer, who is actually a police officer. And I first stumbled across him on a TED talk where he was talking about how he had to deliver really terrible news to families when something awful had happened. And it was a really beautiful TED talk and it had nothing to do with customer experience well no it did that's such a lie it did have stuff to do with customer experience you know I suppose his customer was the person that he was delivering the bad news to and he talked about how initially it was fairly process-led obviously police officers get training to be able to deliver this kind of information but he then said how he kind of just took a step back out of the moment almost a bit like the first quote the outside in view took a step back and just realized that actually there could be a better way of doing this not not seeing that person as a, a victim but as a person as a human and approaching the situation slightly differently and I just love how that resonated with customer experience because again very very easy no matter what industry you work within for your customer to become a number a statistic and actually forget that there's there's a human on the other side of this experience. And actually, when you start to just remember that there's a human at the other side of the experience, and we are all humans, and we all have ways that we want to be interacted with, then it becomes much easier to know what to do for your customers. But again, going back to the BAU analogy, we get lost in the day-to-day -day of our job, the mundanity, the busyness, and it's very easy to lose sight of our customer, and they sit on the peripheral as, again, a number, a stat. It, it sure is. By the way, this topic could be its own podcast session, right? The mm -hmm. whole topic of humanity, empathy. By the way, I'm not the biggest fan of empathy. I think it's it's overstated in customer care and CX. But when you bring it up in this context, you're absolutely right. Empathy does have a place within interactions with customers. It certainly does. Mm -hmm. And for certain, the work of a police officer in most of the things a police officer does in interacting with the public certainly can and should involve probably more empathy. I, I like this example very much.
Me too, me too. Um, so yeah, I, was, I was actually had the honour to connect with him after this. So I think I'd, I'd probably linked him in on the LinkedIn post that I put up and he connected and we interact occasionally now. And he's actually going out and doing um, kind of like coaching and workshops. And it's it's great to follow his journey. So a big shout out to Jeremy Brewer. If anybody wants somebody inspirational to follow, Jeremy Brewer is your man. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. All right. One final question for you. I'm really curious uh, for you to share this one. Who is your CX hero? I found this such a hard question because there's so many amazing people um, currently working in the landscape of CX. But for me, when I dug deep, it had to be Sarah Sargent, uh, who, uh, for anybody who doesn't know her, she was at the time the director, the customer experience director of a company called Lowell, which is a credit management company, um, but most people would know it as a debt collection company. So just try thinking about customer experience in the world of debt collection. But she was the first CX director to come into position. She had absolute tenacity. She was just a brilliant stakeholder engager. So we're talking about buying. You couldn't have someone better than Sarah. And she really understood customer experience for vulnerable customers. And I enjoyed working every day with her. She was a pleasure and I learned so much from her. She was an absolute master of the CX art. But what I really like about her and what I still find so inspiring is she's continued her journey to support industries in which customer experience is exceptionally needed. So for the more vulnerable sectors. And yeah, I just love that she's got that drive and motivation and to stay true and authentic to herself and do that. So whoop, whoop, Sarah Sargent. Whoop, whoop. Wonderful, thank you. And by the way, I love that you went off the beaten path just a bit, because we, we often, when we, we ask the same question of all of our guests, and we see some repetition um, of some names, some, some really amazing thought leaders, some of which are the ones that have written, you know, all the books, they're the ones that are appearing in the top two or three of the global leaders of CX. And um, while it's wonderful to see those people recognized, it's also great to see some names that are not as well known um, and are just doing some incredible work. And thank you for sharing uh, that profile with us. Uh, that's, that's really nice. Oh, you're welcome. I could have easily gone down that route because again, there are, like you say, some amazing people, some really inspirational people, but somebody who really has made a strong impact on me, Sarah Sargent. Excellent. I hope you had as much fun as I did uh, I, and for as much fun as I, Paul and I have had with you. We've learned from you. We've in, really enjoyed engaging with you. This has been um, a fun session. It's been informative. Uh, you've made me think a bit more in challenging my own thoughts uh, around stakeholder buy-in and around organizations and org charts and, 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 and things of the like. Uh, I hope that you will come back and visit us uh, on another episode because we have lots more that we'd love to talk to you about. We didn't even get to talk about resiliency, which I know is a uh, topic that is uh, near and dear to you. That will be for a, a next topic, uh, as well as many other things that we'd love to pick your brain on. This was fun, enjoyable, informative, challenging, thought-provoking, and I'm so grateful that you joined us, Katie. Thank you so much. By the way, uh, we want to offer a congratulations to Katie. She uh, just recently celebrated uh, a wedding. So uh, many uh, amazing thoughts and wishes to you and a lifetime of happiness and fulfillment. Ah, thank you so much. That's much appreciated. And thank you for having me. It's a brilliant way to end my Friday afternoon. And I'll be um, heading off for some Friday fits shortly. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. This was uh, Season 2, Episode 26, CX Stakeholder Buy-In with Katie Stabler. Um, we ask our audience, as we do at the end of each session, if you liked our content, rate and review us, please, on Apple Podcasts. If you didn't like us, that's okay. You can rate and review us. Um, we want to hear the feedback. This is important for us to understand how to get better, more fresh, and relevant content to our audience. Um, we listen and take the feedback very seriously. We enjoy hearing from our audience. Um, we thank you, Katie, once again, wishing you all the best. Audience, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is wrapping up today's Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Friday, August 13th, the summer is coming to a fast roaring almost finished but we have a few more weeks left audience enjoy your summers stay healthy stay safe be careful continue to tune into us thank you everyone the episode is over but the conversation continues please rate and review us in apple podcasts post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience to get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.